Welcome to the Leadership Exposé podcast. This podcast is for purpose-driven leaders at diverse levels and organizations around the world who are seeking to scale and transform their leadership to level up their business and to create an impact in the lives of people all around them. Business and boardroom topics, trends, innovation, transformation, and the intersection with leadership is the focus. We enable success. I'm your host, Stephen Paul. In this episode, we welcome Brian Ritchie. Brian has 35 years in tech company development. He has incubated over 400 companies. He's consulted for many Fortune 500 companies. He's a professor of economics and he's the CEO of Simple Blockchain Applications, Simba, and holds other roles too. We'll hear and learn more about Brian, his views on how he helps companies achieve milestones, entrepreneurship, and on their path to success. Brian, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm well. Thank you for having me, Stephen. It's good to be here. Awesome. Um, just before the podcast, we exchanged where we're based, but for the uh, for the benefit of our audience, share with us, where are you based? I'm just outside Chicago uh, in a town called South Bend, Indiana, where uh, the University of Notre Dame is. And uh, that's, I think, its biggest claim to fame, uh, although it was also the home for Studebaker Automobiles. So that's where I'm based. Awesome. You know, I've been to uh, to Chicago a number of times. You can draw parallels between uh, Toronto and uh, and Chicago, yeah. the Windy City. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. right. <laughs> awesome. All right. Um, Brian, we want to hear a little bit more about your uh, your personal and your professional leadership journey. Tell us where, where did it all begin? You know, you're highly accomplished. But tell us where, it's, where it all began and how that intersected with your professional journey as well. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I, I think there's two paths you can go by, uh, go down, Stephen. One is kind of more a specialized path and one is a more generalist path. I chose the generalist path. I started in the tech industry in the 90s and worked for U.S. Robotics and 3Com and iOmega and Novell, a number of companies that your listeners might not even have heard of at this point in time, but uh, got a lot of experience with the very early entrepreneurial spirit around tech company buildup, uh, where people were, expo- were exploring new technologies and new new platforms and new opportunities and really caught the bug of how to build things and really got excited about building things. Um, I took my second exit after starting a company and went back and got a PhD. I'd gotten an MBA earlier, so I'm, I'm big on education. I think that mattered a lot, at least at the time. I don't know if it does as much now. We can talk about that, but um, went back and uh, then taught for a number of years, started at Michigan State, as you mentioned, as an economist and really enjoyed the classroom and working with students, but always had that itch behind the uh, scenes to get back involved with building companies. And so even in a university environment, one of the things I recognized was there was a lot of intellectual property being created that was never being used. It was just sitting on a shelf. And so I got really engaged in trying to move that intellectual property out of the university and into the, into the commercial sector, starting companies, you know, licensing technologies, um, really trying to make sure that people could take advantage of everything that was being created. And uh, as I got started doing that, recognized that there was a whole void there that nobody was really thinking about. Uh, And I left the uh, Michigan State University and went to the University of Utah to run their commercialization. And there we started 250 companies and um, saw those go to 16 different exits. There were three IPOs at the university and, and again, really validated that there was a lot that we could do there that would create value out of these, out of this intellectual property. 
Um, I did a lot of consulting at that point in time, or especially around execution with uh, companies to help them figure out how to act on their strategies, uh, but then continued down that path of starting companies and then went from there to the University of Notre Dame, where we started another 150 companies and we built an investment fund that we invested in 42 of those companies, one of which was SimbaChain. And uh, at, uh, after you know, getting that company started and leading that investment, uh, recognizing the kind of generational opportunity that blockchain uh, presents, I, I took the opportunity to step into that CEO role. Um, and, uh, and so that's kind of been a, it's a little schizophrenic, but you can see the whole kind of trajectory of, of where I've been. What, what wonderful, Brian. You know, as you were describing all those big events, in my mind, there was one word that just kept popping up. Curious. Yes. Just, yeah. It just sounded like as if um, you were taking, a, you know, you're taking good advantage and opportunity of of um, the challenges and opportunities that, that, that were that, that were present. But it's it's also because of your curiosity. Yes. No, I think that's I think that's exactly right. I've always been I've always loved to build things and I've always loved to be curious about what's next and where the opportunities are that you can take advantage of. Yeah. So we'll 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 uh, we'll hear a little bit more about Simba. I'm, I'm keen to hear about that. But you also mentioned about all these large numbers of companies, I mean 150 then 250 and so forth. Did you have a um, a platform or an accelerator type of a platform to actually build and get them into a stage, then exit them? Or how, how were you, or did you partner with people? Keen to hear about that. <laughs> yeah, that's a very insightful question, actually. So what we built is we built a platform. Um, I'm going to call it an incubator and an accelerator. And those are a little bit different. And I'll tell you about that. But we called the, we called the platform the engine. It had three phases to it, uh, which all were important. The first is kind of a de-risking phase, which is like, what do you have? How valuable is the intellectual property? Can it be protected? You know, is there a business model behind it, et cetera? And then you moved into kind of an incubation period where it's like, can we build out the team? Can we get, you know, the right, can we, can we mature the technology to make sure that it works? So you have kind of product de-risking, you've got, you know, uh, people de-risking, you're trying to bring teams together. And, and that's really a, a forming kind of environment. And then you've got the last one, which is really the accelerator part, which is, okay, I got the business model, I've got the team, I got the technology, now I need to get it funded, now I need to get the right partners, now I need to get the right customers lined up, and that's where you're really going to ramp that as you take that out to market, where you'd probably form the company, uh, where you'd really get that moving. So we had these three phases, and we called it the two-stroke, the four-cylinder, and the V8. It was kind of like, you know, lawnmower, small car, and then race car, right? Yeah. Uh, but all of this was just about de-risking those technologies to a point at which they were viable yeah. and which you could then take them out and really run with them. Yeah. And um, remind me again, Brian, are these technology companies or are they They all are, yeah. yeah. Okay. But they were across multi multiple sectors. They were all tech companies, but we do things in um, healthcare, you know, health tech, um, software, uh, actually devices. Um, we'd, we'd even do, uh, you know, deep tech engineering. So it was across the spectrum of a lot of different companies. We, you know, some of the exits that we had when we were at the University of Utah included large pharmaceuticals, but also included software, included, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but the beginnings of Adobe happened at the University yeah. of Utah. The beginnings of NVIDIA happened yeah. at the University of Utah. So there were a lot of these technologies that come out of these environments that 
that if you did, if you just left them on the shelf, would never turn into anything, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so Brian is. Um, so, t- so, tell us a little bit more about your focus now. I mean, you've got one big area, which is um, Simba's simple blockchain applications. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that and your leadership behind that. Yeah. So. Um... Blockchain is really interesting. I, I've been around long enough, uh, Stephen, to have seen a lot of transformations in the tech space. And, you know, I remember in the 2000s when the internet was happening and, you know, people at that time were like, oh, just put a dot com behind your name and, you know, you can make a lot of money. And we had that big crash because things weren't ready. I see the same thing happening right now in blockchain where there's a real technology here that can really make a difference. And, and blockchain, as you know, is different than crypto. Mm-hmm. Right. Crypto is just an application on blockchain. So as a technology, blockchain has a lot of real advantages. It's peer to peer. It's trustless. You know, you have an environment in which you can really create um, the ability to do transactions in this peer to peer environment. There's a lot of upside to this. But I think it's going through the exact same cycle as happened before, which is lots of hype, kind of a crash, and then real applications that will be built on that. And Simba has really focused on on those real applications, right? We've done a lot of work in the government space. Uh, we're doing real um, applications like supply chain track and trace, you know, inventory management, asset tracking and management, uh, identification, certifications. All of these things are real applications. And I think that in, you know, this is a, I think a 30 to 50 year project, just like the internet is, but, but I think you're gonna see that traction really start uh, and begin to move forward. Um, but that this experience with uh, Simba, as well as all of my other experiences, have, I think led to a lot of insights about how to lead companies. And and frankly, in this day and age, some of those things have changed a little bit as well. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's that, been interesting. That, that that's a good segue. So that that, that was going to just be my my question. I mean, you've worked with different entrepreneurs, a diverse set of entrepreneurs. Yeah. You yourself being one of them. Share with us, um, building on what you just described previously, um, any insights or lessons um, from a leadership perspective yeah, for sure. that's resulted in a highly positive outcome. Yeah, for sure. Um, so one of the things you probably heard is, uh, you probably heard the statement that software will eat the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a take on this that you probably also have heard, which is culture will eat strategy every cool. day of the week. And, and I think that's absolutely true. Um, I think there's a number of strategic lessons I've learned in my lifetime, but I'll, I'll point to two right now, and then we can double click on any of those that you'd like to. The first is, is that the hardest thing to get is accountability with engagement. And what I mean by that is, um, as a dictator, I can always demand accountability, but I probably won't get engagement. On the other hand, if it's just all organic and people do whatever they want, they might be engaged, but it not, might not be in the right things. In other words, if we're all engaged in something, but they don't align, then the company's probably not going anywhere anyway. So I need to get aligned engagement around accountability. And that means that that's not micromanaging. Um, that's really about how do I set objectives and goals and hold people accountable to those that they have agreed to. And and creating that structure, that infrastructure inside an organization is really important. I will tell you that my experience at Simba has taught me that doing that remotely is way harder than doing that in person. Um, So one of the things that you really have to think about is what are the right tools or the right interactions, interfaces, or communication mechanisms that I use to build that kind of accountability where people are engaged around an aligned outcome. 
that's a challenge. And, and that's one that I think is getting more challenging, not less. Yeah. The other big thing that I've learned that kind of goes along with this is that if you haven't created a culture where people can fail and fail positively, um, you're never going to succeed. And, and I don't mean, Stephen, fail against known outcomes. That's just laziness, right? Mm. What I mean is failing against the frontier and things we don't know, we don't know. How do I, how do I test that? How do I get people willing to take risks and to actually fail? Because there's a couple of things that are true. One is you learn way more from your failures than you do your successes. In fact, in your successes, they're largely just confirming events. They really don't teach you anything. Yeah. Failure, if done well, teaches you everything, right? If you really deconstruct it well, you learn exactly what happened and why and how to move forward. But that culture takes risk. It's career risk. It's monetary risk. It's, you know, it's a lot of different things. And how do you evaluate that? I I personally love what Jeff Bezos said about one-way doors and two-way doors. You may have heard this. Yeah. Uh, but but if you're if you're not running quickly through one-way door or sorry through two-way doors, then then you're missing those opportunities. So those are two big lessons I've learned recently. Uh, over well, I guess over my entire career. Yeah, I I can fully relate to both. And on the first one where you talked about aligned outcomes, I, you know I, I work with a number of um, you know, executive teams and boards. And one thing that I notice and experience when I speak with executive teams is they're not aligned. That's right. And there is a lot of strength in execution, but they're so fragmented. That's right. And the newest and shiniest word comes around, well, we need to you know, implement, let's say, chat GPT or, you know, or something um, AI, and there goes one executive team member with his plans and so forth, <laughs> without recognizing that there is a, there's got to be a good alignment across the different functions and different yeah. areas and, and the people around it so that they have clarity in their mindset. Do you, do you, do you, do you find that with 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 different teams when you're when all you're over addressing all that. over the place even yeah you nailed it i mean this is i think this is the number one problem in leadership to be honest picking a strategy is easy getting people aligned around that strategy is excruciating and uh it's a lot of effort and a lot of time and you know you, you think about that communication cycle and and you know most companies the biggest complaint in the company is they want more communication but communication in a lot of ways from the leadership has to be the exact same and very narrow and ad nauseum, right? This yeah. is where we're going. This is what we're doing. Everyone needs to be aligned about that. And then holding people accountable to that alignment. Like if you're the executive that wants to veer off, yeah. how do you bring that executive back in line? How do you keep them aligned around the direction? And should that executive's direction be the new direction? Yeah. These yeah. are This is where you've got to fail forward and fail quickly too, right? Like how do you get to the right places without doing whiplash? without creating an environment where there's no stability, it's, that's a super large challenge. Totally yeah. agree. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. I was, uh, um, and just to wrap it up here, I mean, I was, I, was, uh, I was in one executive conversation where the CEO stepped in to be the chair of a particular strategy that was being discussed. And he was with his chief operating officer and his chief branch officer and um, chief technology officer, and he was actually doing a great job of facilitating, but 
um, for 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 just just giving a a name here. John, are you comfortable with this particular approach being done? Jane, are you comfortable with this approach being done? And he was actually driving accountability, but in the best possible way, so that they can actually create a sense of ownership within themselves, but also yeah. bring it in front of other people and and say, well, yeah, I'm taking ownership of this. And he was facilitating, and, and that facilitation was a big component to actually achieving that accountability. And and they're all kind of, you know, aligned to so many different components here. But uh, you know, the accountability is a big thing here, and how, I agree. yeah, how progressive-minded. I mean, you, I mean, you know, having built many companies yourself, and and uh, yeah, and 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 in your executive position, that progressive-minded piece, I think, is a very important aspect as well. Yeah, yeah. I love the are you. You know, are, are you comfortable? I'd even go one step further and say, are you committed? Even if you committed. disagree, are you committed, right? Yeah. Because in this case, if you've got something that is causing you not to be committed, we need to address it right now so that we can be aligned, right? Agreed, agreed. Brian, uh, that's that's wonderful. Um, you know, we we have quite a lot of things that's, that's happening here and we're in the exponential age as well. Um, but in your view, what are the types of conversations um, that companies need to be having, you know, at the executive level, at the board level? Um, and, and it might be agnostic to, you know, to sectors here, but what do they need to, what do they need to keep in mind? Or what do they need to prepare for? Yeah, you know, I, I found the way that I feel right now, Stephen, in our environment is that Technology is moving so fast. I mean, just, just you've mentioned it earlier, chat GPT. I mean, we've been talking about AI for a while. And then all of a sudden this bursts onto the scene and, and we're like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with this? What, how's this going to affect my business? Where's the, where's the competitive impact? And there's so much coming at us all the time that I think we need to figure out where are we grounded? How, what are we doing? What's the core of this business as we're going forward? And how do we evaluate? new technologies? How do, we, how do we figure out what matters and what doesn't? What's, what's noise versus what's core? Because man, you can be distracted so quickly by the next shiny object. And at the same time, you see examples all the time of companies that miss the core new technology and they just get competed into nothing. I mean, this has been happening ever since Kodak didn't do the digital camera, right? I mean, how do you recognize this? I think boards need to be asking uh, there's their executive teams and together figuring out like, how do we deal with this challenge? Because it can be very existential and at the same time, very distracting. So I, I think it's a big challenge and one that we need to address. Yeah. Yeah. No, understood. And, and uh, speaking of challenges, I mean, like what, what's your experience or what are you seeing as challenges in the, uh, in the business, uh, in the business world as a result of, you know, now we have the economic situation, yeah. shocks <laughs> you know the, the climate the recession climate and it varies depending you know depending on different sectors but uh, uh you know what what challenges or changes are you seeing companies going through um organizationally yeah i mean i mean think about what just happened with silicon valley bank right i mean yeah the, the macro economic interest rate uh regime basically buried it in a week yeah and uh you know yes could you argue they made some bad decisions but they didn't seem so bad at the time or the board would have said something. Yeah. Somebody would have said something, right? So this stuff can catch up pretty quickly. The other thing that I think we're not spending enough time talking about is this whole remote work issue. I think that remote work brings a whole set of challenges as I learned as CEO of Simba that, that I didn't expect. 
that I didn't really understand what impact it was going to have culturally and around alignment. When you don't really have social capital with people in a face-to-face -face interaction environment, it, it, it changes the nature of the relationships. And uh, I, think that's gonna, I think that's an underestimated challenge for a lot of companies right now. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I completely agree, uh, and and um, let's talk about you, Brian. I mean, like, what 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 uh, what does a day in the life of Brian look like these days, morning to evening? <laughs> <laughs> well, as as you know, as, as the CEO of Simba in, in that role, um, it was largely uh, you know raising money, um, you know, building relationships, uh, really working with large corporate partners and customers. Um, it's, typical things that, and, and then managing the company from an operational standpoint. Although, I, again, as a growing company and a scaling company, one of the very first and most important things is to figure out, you know, who you can trust and how you can delegate responsibilities and making sure that the operational execution is aligned as we talked about and moving forward. So yeah. it's, uh, it's being a CEO of a small company is, you know, you're wearing every hat, including taking the trash out on Wednesday if need be. But, uh, you know, it's uh, but but it's fun to build. That's that's where a lot of the excitement is and the scale is. And um, so, you know, it's a very it's an exciting, fast moving environment. But, yeah, it's a, basically anything that needs to be done. See, I, I view you as a, as a successful entrepreneur and uh, leader. So share with us one thing that's your secret formula to your success. I think I think the secret um, to success really ultimately at the end of the day, and I, this is going to sound really cliche, but I really believe it. Um, it it's really about your people mm -hmm. and it's really about how you can build relationships. I mean, this is hard because in this day and age, we're so quick to lay people off or we're so quick to, you know, and small companies sometimes have to do those kinds of things. Don't don't get me wrong. But but how do you build an environment around your people that really you know, get them aligned and engaged. That's again, the biggest thing. And an engaged person can accomplish amazing things. Um, and the other thing I've learned is, is that everybody has talents. The, the, real, the real role of a leader is to figure out what are those talents? What are people's superpowers and how do you engage them in ways that will help the company? So, you know, this idea about like, I got to hire smart people and I'm not, I don't want to hire dumb. The real truth is that's not really the way to think about it. The way to think about it is, I need to hire people with a specific talent mm -hmm. to do a specific thing. Look for that. But everybody is smart. Everyone has talents. It's just in what, right? Mm -hmm. And how do you apply that? So I think that's been the thing that I've been, that I've really tried to do is build teams around that. Yeah. It's such an important aspect, talent. Without talent, it's, uh, and building those capabilities, um, you, you find you, you, you know, a company or even a team fails to progress forward. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally true. Wonderful. Um, Brian, we're coming to a close very shortly. Share with us any closing messages or a challenge to other executives or boards or business organizations. Um, um, tell us or share with us here. Yeah, I, I think, and, and I'll just, I'll go out a little bit on a limb here, Stephen. I really think that the structure of corporations are changing out from under us. I think this remote work issue, I think that, you know, the issue around, um, you know, equality, inequality, all of those different things, uh, diversity and inclusion, these are forces that are, that are causing us to reckon with the current existing structure, which I think will be found inadequate. I think in the long run, we're gonna see some real structural changes. And I would challenge boards and executives to think hard about what this next thing looks like, this next structure, how it operates, how it functions, 
for the benefit of everybody engaged? And it's a hard question. And there are forces that are driving this back to status quo, but I think that the forces driving it away from that will be greater. So uh, it's a big challenge. It's it's something that's you know might even be multi-generational, but it's gonna happen. And I think we need to start thinking about it. Yeah, well, wise words from, uh, from Brian and a challenge to boards and executives. Uh, thank you very much, Brian, for being with us today and sharing your journey. You're welcome. But also these insights as well. Thank you. You're welcome. Happy to be here. Appreciate Wonderful. it. Okay, folks, thank you very much for listening in and stay tuned for our next episode on a global innovation leader who shares her journey on building the next generation of business innovation professionals on their cutting edge accelerator studio. Stay tuned. Hey, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. You're now seeing this part of the video also because you consume some of my content, insights and teachings. Maybe you've been to my LinkedIn page or website or seen other social media ads or listened to my podcast. I'm Stephen Paul, a business and transformational executive coach, strategic advisor, leader and board member. I've been in diverse roles, corporate executive, entrepreneur, and worked with businesses and firms of all sizes, built and launched businesses, created high impact boards and so forth in four continents. I get it. I've been there, done that. But what is different is I bring a unique perspective and a playbook. I've helped 100 plus business leaders just like you to scale and align their leadership top teams, the board and overall business for growth. Leaders like Ivana from medium-sized company in the EU who grew 150% and expanded globally in under five months. After she started to work with me over facilitated sessions in an initial three days, I helped fine-tune their strategy and align their leadership team and board to be a cohesive driving force to achieve their dreams and outcomes. I want to teach you the same thing and more on how to scale and align your leadership team and board so you can increase your business growth and value. Get clarity on what is the next right strategy for you. There are multiple ways we can work with you. Number one, click the link for a free non-obligatory 60-minute initial strategic session. Let's get a feel for your dreams, your vision, your challenges, and let me convert that into a route map for you where we can co-develop and co-pilot. Number two, enroll in an innovative and intuitive digital online course that I have curated, created to help you transform. It's called Unshakable Resilience. It is the ultimate program for individuals and business leaders like you who want to be equipped at a personal and professional level to respond to any form of challenges or in crisis situations and take on opportunities with grit, resilience, and build a mindset of success. In essence, you want to be unshakable, thrive in crisis, take on opportunities in the face of adversity, and build a success mindset. So click the link below to learn more on how I can personally help you individually and your firm to scale and align your leadership team and business and pivot in a transformational way. And for you to experience this, whatever the challenge you're facing, get in touch with me. Let's discuss 
and I will share my insight rapidly to enable your transformation. Click the links below.